For broadcasting opportunities on Wildfire Radio, go to wildfireradio.com and click Contacts. For advertising opportunities on any of our shows, go to wildfireradio.com and click on Advertise. And remember, for all of your concert and sporting event tickets, go to SeatGiant.com and use code WILDFIRE at checkout for a great discount. Welcome to Small Bites with Glenn Gross and Derek Tim. We hope you're hungry. Gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, this is Small Bites on Wildfire Radio. My name's Glenn Gross, and I own Fat Jack's Barbecue in Philly and New York. And all I've got to say right now is quack, 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 quack. You know why? Because it's fine weather for ducks out there. Or Derek's. Ooh. Yeah. Cool. Introduce yourself there, Duck Derek. quack a Or Derek the Duck. quack a indeed. I'm Derek Tim of BlueJeanFood.com. And uh, Eagles win again. Yes, We're so do. excited. But the hot news of the day comes from our very own Courier, Carrier Post Nightlife Correspondent and New Jersey Monthly uh, Correspondent, John Howard Fusco. How's it going, John? John. Good evening, doing? guys. How are y'all doing this evening? We are fantastic, and you sound nice and crisp and clear. Yes, he does, oh, doesn't he? wonderful. Hi, All right. <laughs> Wonder why that landline is. Landline technology, man. <laughs> He's the only person left in sarcasm. the world that has a landline. So, no, I always call him from a landline. So, what is hot and happening this week? Well, we actually have to start off this week with some sad news. Of course, it's been well documented and talked about this past week. Uh, the fire that destroyed the well-loved Bridget Foy's on South Street, which happened this past Wednesday. <sighs> Yeah. Uh, 40 year, the restaurant yeah. had a 40 year history, starting back as, as the East Philly Cafe and then changing the name in 82 to Bridget Foy's, which was the name of uh, the owner, John Foy's daughter, who had just been born. Uh, if you go to Bridget Foy's Facebook page, you can find out about some upcoming benefits that they're holding uh, to help take care of the restaurant staff in the, in the interim. They just had two benefits over this weekend, so they're trying to do their best to take care of the staff uh, while they figure out what's going to happen with the restaurant. So uh, that was just, just this past Wednesday, and again, uh, it was really a very sad story. People kept coming out and just really uh, talking about how much they love the restaurant. So um, uh, getting on to some, some, some happier stuff, uh, a couple of restaurants to talk about that are opening up soon. Uh, Louis Louis, this is a new European-style cafe and bistro, which is looking to open early next year at the Hilton Inn and Penn in University City. And also look for a Loco Lucho Latino kitchen at the Reading Terminal Market to be opening in the next few months. This is a stand that will be serving Puerto Rican fare. Uh, closing for renovations for a few weeks is going to be the fast, casual, vegan restaurant Hip City Veg in Rittenhouse. Looks they should be reopening sometime in the middle of November. Uh, over on the Jersey side of things, uh, Big Slice Pizza in Ocean City has cut itself a big slice of trouble. Uh, their owner admitted to failing to report $682,000 in income over a two-year span, going back to 2012 and 2013. He must have had Mac uh, and Minko's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this, this seems to be an issue with Ocean City and pizza places. <laughs> Uh, also, I want to talk about the convenience store wars, which are going to be heating up this week because the first Royal Farms is going to open November 2nd on the White Horse Pike in Magnolia. Royal Farms is a uh, convenience store that's come up from the Maryland area, and they're known for their fried chicken. So it's going to be their fried chicken versus Wawa Hoagies. We'll see who comes out on top in the, uh, the convenience store wars. They I, have, I can tell they you have that. spam breakfast sandwiches. I'm going to tell you. Royal Farms might come out on top with mm. the Spam Breakfast mm. Sandwich. And mm. I'm a Philadelphian. But the Wawa Hoagies have fallen off. Yes, yeah. they have. That's, that's what everybody says. You're not the first person to say that. It's, it, it's been a common thread lately that people are saying, what's happened to the Wawa Hoagie? So, uh, actually, so I think someone actually wrote an article about it recently about it as well. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to see what happens. But, Glenn, I have a beer for you. Let's hear it. All right? I hear Berlin Brewing in Berlin, New Jersey, has on tap a beer called the Pig Roast Smoked Porter, <laughs> which they are describing as a rich, dark, and delicious porter with accented smokiness thanks to the wood-smoked malt. 
and it's only 5.4% alcohol by volume, so it's right around session beer, so it's not too heavy. But I thought for, for you, that would be perfect, a pig roast smoked porter. Well, guess what? We're going to go get some. There you go. <laughs> and that's over in Berlin Brewing in Berlin, New Jersey. Gotcha. So we'll be posting more stuff later tonight uh, on, uh, on Twitter with the hashtag Small Bites, some more articles this past week of interest. So that's what I got for this week, guys. Oh, you forgot one thing, John. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh. 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 <laughs> really? <laughs> Come on. Come on. You can do it. Oh, my goodness. Yes. My book, of course. <laughs> <laughs> a Culinary History of Cape May is out and available on Amazon.com and good bookstores all around the area. Uh, I'll be taking a little break from doing some book stuff. I will be appearing at the Winter Market down in Cape May on December 2nd, uh, which is at the Windy City Acres Farm. Uh, so we're taking a little break for the holidays, but we'll be back in December with another event. Perfect. Well, it was a pleasure talking to you, especially as crisp and clear as you were yes. this week. And uh, I will not be in studio next week. And, oh, uh, no. No, but Dorenzo, oh, no. Dorenzo will be here, and then there's no show the following week. So I'll talk to you in three weeks, John. All right. You take care. Have fun. Guys. Have a good night. Have a great one. And oh, my good goodness. Night, Glenn, that was a great throw. Yes. Yes. It and was. Yes. And... Oh, man, another strike. Uh, excuse me? Hey, this is Brian Westbrook, Derek and Glenn. So happy that you were able to make it down to Bolero. Bolero Feasterville is the first of Boldmore AMF's trendy bowling entertainment brand to open in the Philadelphia area. The center is an entirely new spin on the traditional bowling lane and will feature high-tech arcade, 48 black light lanes, sleek decor, along with an innovative new menu with outrageous food like a five-pound burger, two-foot-long hot dog, and a five-layer pizza cake. So take it from me. Rush down here and have yourself a great time. You have a perfect fun and a great game for you and all of your friends. Thanks for having me on and hope to talk to you guys soon. All right. right. Man. Brian Westbrook. Yeah, Brian wow. Westbrook. What, didn't we have a great time there, Glenn? Yes. Yo, let me tell you something. I've never seen a place like that ever. Yeah. He it, did thank us for coming. Yes, he did. And, and he got the chance to meet our own William Knowles of around town. As well as meet us. Correct. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, Bill, uh, give us two to three minutes of what you thought of Bolero. Well, Bolero was a uh, it was quite an experience, and it was really phenomenal. They... Uh, you know the old the Brunswick zone, the bowling alleys uh, have decided to kind of rebrand and uh, you know reintroduce kind of a new format, and they've done an incredible job with it. You it's, mean it's uh, just not enough to stick three fingers in holes anymore? <laughs> no, excuse uh, me. It's, uh, <laughs> Barbie, I thought we said we had to behave on this show this week, and you know how that gets me fired up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my own personal beliefs from that aside, uh, <laughs> they. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they, uh, they've done a great job, and a lot of the, um, you know, there's a lot of local places that have opened, especially in Philly recently, that have uh, kind of taken this approach, you know, like North Bowl, South Bowl, and all that. But uh, what about uh, East Bolero, and West? East and West. <laughs> That's but Bolero, um, they've taken it to another level. They've got a lot of uh, a lot of great stuff there, and they're using technology to enhance everything. You know, aside from the bowling, it's every you know the the arcade, the laser tag, and all that. Forty eight lanes there. It was pretty cool. What about what about awesome. what about the food though? The food was incredible. Uh, the food is, I mean, years ago you'd go to a bowling alley and you'd hot think you're getting a hot dog, right. popcorn, maybe some French fries, but this place. You know, all the food, the, the five-pound burger, which we tried. Uh, really? You know, the sliders, we tried it. How'd that How- go? Uh, well, I didn't eat it all. <laughs> I only sampled it, but uh, it was, a, uh, it so was awesome. So you're saying it should be for sharing? Yes, I agree. Okay. And, yes, uh, absolutely. And it was a, a pleasure uh, hanging out with Brian, and it, we do have to thank him yes. for appearing. Absolutely. And Brian was great. He was very cordial. Uh, he drew quite a crowd there. Uh, as did Very we. exciting. Yeah. As yes. did we. As did, uh, as did Glenn and Derek. That's and right. They were. Uh, How many autographs did you sign, Derek? <laughs> oh, my, my hand is still cramped. <laughs> I know. But uh, B. West, he brought out quite a crowd. Uh, he was great with everybody. You know, talked and you to attended, us. You attended the game today. Uh, that is correct. The yep. Eagles are hotter than ever this year. They are hotter than ever. They're looking pretty good. They played okay today. You know, you know what? Yeah, they started but, out slow. Because. I was in the locker room this week. Whoa, whoa! I was. But there were no there. eagles in there. <laughs> no, but I but I gave them a little good luck. There you go. I well, bet they, you uh, did. Good what? Good well, 
it, it was, she was in the locker room, Len. That's all we have to say. The Eagles, the Eagles won. But I have to tell Maybe you, that's what, why. one thing I didn't notice at Bolero, and yes. uh, I, I, I think you would agree that uh, you didn't notice it as well. But the perfect person in studio to talk about what we didn't notice is uh, Mike Mastercola. He's the brand ambassador of Mastercola's famous Philly roast pork uh, produced by John F. Martin and Sons. I didn't see any uh, John uh, F. Uh, Mastercola famous Philly roast pork at Bolero. Why not? Well, you missed it. It does sell at Whole Foods Market, and maybe Bolero will get it shortly. But I think we should lobby <laughs> Bolero and make them. But Mike is in <laughs> Get studio. Get Westbrook on the phone. He, he's right. in studio to talk about Master Cola's famous Philly roast pork. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? No, I will. Thank you for having me. Oh, uh, pleasure. I really appreciate being here on Small Bites. I'm going to start out with, you know, one, here, one of my favorite quotes is, uh, and I love this quote, the roast pork sandwich is Philly's greatest culinary attraction. There, we said it. And that came from Serious Eats back on January 13th, 2015. And I think what what that tells me is that, you know, the Philly roast pork sandwich, cousin to the Philly cheesesteak, has really come a long way. And it's really entering the mainstream. And what we did, uh, we wanted to, I, I guess what you could say is our mission is there shouldn't be any end consumer who cannot find a great authentic Italian roast pork experience out there. I know there's great places to go all over the region, but if you want to get a consistent, great tasting roast pork sandwich, you should be go you should be able to go to a given market at any time, any day, and have that experience. So um you know, Derek and Glenn, uh, you know, thank you for having me and I'm I'm here to tell you a little bit about the uh the product. Well and your story uh originally your family had their own uh, Italian delicatessen. We did. We did. Uh, my, my dad uh, is an entrepreneur. He had several businesses. And uh, one of the uh, businesses that he just fell in love with was the food business. And he would travel to Italy uh, every year. And he would go up and visit his uncle up in the Tuscan region. And up there, you know, they have street vendors just like we do in the city. Only, and, you know... Uh, the street vendors there would just sell what's seasonal, what's available in the region uh, at a given time frame. And so there, this one vendor, and this was uh, probably back in the late 70s, was selling uh, a roast pork sandwich. And uh, my dad just, you know, he had it. He just fell in love with it. He went back the next day, had it again. And he was, in, in his mind, he was putting together this this Italian deli concept to bring back to the States. And... Um, he basically approached the vendor and said, hey, can I take you out to dinner? And, uh, you know, I want to I hear about your recipe. So over dinner and a, a couple bottles of wine. That always uh, does the loosened trick. loosened him up. <laughs> <laughs> loosened him up, and he, he gave my dad uh, kind of some ideas in the recipe. And my dad took it back uh, to the Conchahokan area, the Plymouth Meeting area, the Audubon area. Uh, the Jeffersonville area and the, the roast pork on its own it just it just became its uh, his signature menu item and uh, and that's kind of that's kind of the story how it started but then the uh, delicatessen went away around what year it did so we we left the delicatessen business I I would say in the early uh, 2000s okay um, it just became very labor-intensive uh, my brother had since he was very close to my dad. He worked very close in the business. He had passed away, so you know it, it's you know running those stores and even running one of the stores. It's not became, easy. It's not easy. Right. So we came out of the business, and then the idea was born to basically you know what are we going to do? He kept on being asked by people, you know, please make the roast pork. So he would he would make it in the kitchen, and my mom would get all pissed off and you know the mess she's telling you know, me supposed to a, be retired <laughs> well it's a mess to make it it's very hard to make roast pork it's a, it's a, it's a long process it's a it's a it's a complex process and uh it's you know then you start making the peppers you start making the broccoli rock oh, just goes from there got, then you got 20 friends right <laughs> and uh then uh march of 2016 there was sort of like a spark that happened uh, was. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? 
at that at that given point in time, uh, we had we have been we had been working with John F. Martin and Sons out in Lancaster County. Uh, they're an American uh, food company um, out there in Lancaster County, and they're known for their bacon and their hams. Mm-hmm. And we approached them. Uh, you know, we we kind of knew some folks with the National Pork Board, and they had recommend we go talk to John F. Martin. And uh, they actually were able to duplicate um, our family's recipe over over a six to nine month period, and and it, it was just amazing how they came up with it. So we were working with uh, working with their sales team, and you know it was going out to their clients uh, out into uh, the various markets, and then um, someone saw. Uh, something I, I don't know if it was on LinkedIn or Facebook, but there was a casting call uh, from for Whole Foods Market, and Whole Foods Market was actually looking for local Philly products, and they said, "Hey, fill out this form, and we'll get back to you if we like what you're talking about." But it was actually at the Franklin Institute. It was. It was unbelievable. It was. Uh, it was on the third. How long floor. ago was that? I want to say it was back March of. March of 2016. Okay. We're about yeah. to start talking about barbecue watch. Yeah. <laughs> well, we will in a minute. Because I'm going to get all the information from Martin. And I'm gonna... <laughs> Try to enter a contest that's been over no, for a year. <laughs> no, look, look. said, can I still enter? Can I still enter? I'm going to have Fat Jack with barbecue everywhere. Uh-huh. So, so uh-huh. it was on the third floor of the Franklin Institute. And uh, what happened there? Uh, it was it was unbelievable. So you, you get I, I was never up. I was obviously in the Franklin Institute, but I was never up on the third floor. So you walk in, you, the elevator opens, and you're in this like almost like a green room, and you know you sign in. And I had a bunch of I had a bunch of stuff. I had a, a crock pot. I had my rolls. We had our, our peppers. We had our broccoli rob. We we had everything, and. Um, that you sign in, and they said, "Okay, wait here." And when the doors open, you have 15 minutes. And I was like, oh, "Okay, now 15 minutes to do what? Cook? To present? Really? Okay." And uh, now, so- what time was it? Because if it was around lunchtime, that was a brilliant move on your end to go at <laughs> that time. <laughs> I, I, that's a good point, and I, I think it was like around maybe like 11, 11:30ish, which was which was a, a, a good opportunity. I didn't set the time, so they told us when to come in. Mm-hmm. But um, once the doors opened, it opened into this massive room, and there were tables with Whole Food team members at each table, and people like me pitching their products. Mm-hmm. You know, in my case, I was pitching a prepared foods product, but there were people, uh, you know, talking about their different types of retail products, whatever it could have been. So I, you know, I'm shown to the table, and. Uh, Five uh, men and women are, are sitting there, very nice, very nice people. And, uh, you know, I knew I had 15 minutes and the clock was running. And I always bring my dad. John F. Martin said, bring your dad, uh, you know, bring your dad down because they want to hear about the local story. The history mm-hmm. really the makes the product as well. I- exactly. So I said, Dad, talk to them, please. So he started talking to him. I still don't know what he talked to him about. But anyway, I was frantically setting up, trying to get the roast pork warm because we had traveled from Conshohocken mm-hmm. all the way to Center City. So anyway, we finally got it done within the 15 minutes. So they're having the sandwich. And um, they didn't say a word, but their body language said it <laughs> They were all. too busy eating. Yeah, they're- <laughs> they looked at each other, and I could just tell that uh, it, was a, it was a good outcome. Mm-hmm. So uh, they didn't give any indication of what was next. They said, thank you. I said, you know, should I take everything? And they said, no, 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 leave it, leave it. <laughs> and um, so we, we left. Uh, and then six weeks later, uh, John F. Martin, uh, the John F. Martin team, myself, my dad, we were down in the, uh, at the Mid-Atlantic headquarters uh, talking about what was next. And cool. also, it, it should be mentioned that uh, – it's an antibiotic-free pork that you guys use because, obviously, Whole Foods Market has a, a stringent policy of what they're going to allow in the store. So there are other products out there that are available, but you're bringing it to a whole nother level. Exactly, Derek. And, and we were when we were down in the Mid-Atlantic headquarters, uh, that was their first question because we had a conventional uh, – we're using a conventional pork product. Mm-hmm. And they said, hey, can you go to our – are you aware of our level one standards? Yes, we are. Can you go to level one? 
Uh, so what John F. Martin did was they pursued that. So what level one is, level one is uh, not only antibiotic free, but no cages, no crates, mm-hmm. et cetera. So they pursued it. It probably took us off course about six months. We, we ended up talking to suppliers who maybe overpromised. But at the end of the day, uh, they couldn't deliver on what the anticipated demand was going to be. What was the demand? <clears throat> well, we, we were thinking we were we were thinking maybe maybe ten cases a week mm-hmm. per store in the Mid Atlantic region. How many stores? Uh, maybe f- 50, 55 wow. stores. Okay. So maybe in a case, there's uh, you know twelve to fifteen pounds, something like that. That's a lot of pork. Yeah. So. And then we were thinking beyond that as well, but apparently the market was just not there with level one. In other words, we John F. Martin could source this level one category, mm-hmm. but it, it would have been I, I would we cost prohibitive, it was cost and, prohibitive, maybe a lot of shortages. Yeah. So we backed off to ABF, and we're still committed to pursuing level one, but the market's just not there right. yet. So we, you're you're right, Derek. We it's now an, it's an antibiotic free product, which means the. Um, there's no antibiotics whatsoever administered. So the pigs weren't on drugs. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, now when you go into Whole Foods Market, you were kind enough to bring us in an incredible spread here. Uh, in in studio, I mean, why don't you tell us a little bit about what the audience cannot see? Because sometimes Glenn thinks of this as a television show. That's right. And he'll just say, oh, see, look at this. And I hold stuff up to the mic. Hey, take a look. Well, you know, that the Whole Foods team, uh, they're they are just a great – they're so creative. They're, they're a true culinary team. And they, they have uh, – just a lot of different ideas. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, when I think of roast pork, I always think of what was in our delis, a hot roast pork sandwich with provolone, and you had some fried hots, and you had some sweets. They took it to a whole nother level. They actually came up with six to seven venues and recipes. So what you have in front of you is actually a cold roast, be- uh, roast pork hoagie. So it's a uh, sharp provolone, some uh, sliced Philly roast pork, our Philly roast pork, uh, with some sweet peppers and some broccoli rob, and it, it's just phenomenal. I, I, I just, it is outstanding. I, you know, it's awesome. It, it's it's so different than a hot sandwich, and I I can't believe this wasn't tried earlier. So they came out with these, and, and in some stores they they put them a pre already made pre displayed, or it's on their uh, their cold hoagie menu and prepared foods. Now, how much would a prepared one cost? Do you know offhand? I want to say it. From what I remember, and uh, please don't quote me on this, I want to say seven ninety nine. Oh, that's extremely reasonable. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it is, and, and it's huge. I mean, it, it's a, it's probably uh, a ten inch, you know, like a ten inch sandwich. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Barbie smile. <laughs> you see her face. <laughs> but oh my god! But. Uh, now, obviously, you've got the sharp provolone and the sweet peppers. Is it paired at Whole Foods with a recommended provolone and pepper? Because f- what we have in studio, I want to be able to go to Whole Foods and duplicate exactly that. Yeah, they do have, in their case, they do have uh, a nice uh, sharp provolone. I would almost recommend a picante, or uh, you may have to take a little diversion over to their cheese shop and get a nice sharp provolone, mm. uh, you know, one of those one of those brands uh, in the area. Belgiosio has a nice brand. Um, in uh, but when they when they do make it, uh, they do use that sharp provolone on on the sandwich. And I mean, you're just rolling out the product. Uh, you've got Philadelphia Center City, South Street, Princeton, Jenkintown, Allentown is this week. Marlton this week, Cherry Hills coming in November. I mean, it's just growing and growing. It is. Uh, what's the difficulty that you find? with each store having a prepared food team manager who has the discretion to say yes we can put it in or no we can't it's 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 really at the discretion of of the team manager uh in prepared so it's, it's not a corporate it, no. i mean corporate decides to do it but if a local store does not want to do it they don't have to do that really they don't have to do it wow. no they don't have to do it have you had a store that has declined you yet 
We have not. We, we've had some stores say, hey, it's the holidays right now. Uh, can you have John F. Martin hold off? And we said, sure, absolutely. But I think there's other stores who are like, we want this now. Well, especially we for the holidays. Yesterday. Because I, this is perfect for the holidays. Uh, I, like you brought it in on, in a beautiful tray to, to have a, a, a holiday party or, or a get together. Exactly. That's the perfect way to set up a holiday party is that. What is your goal for, say, the next six months for the product? I, I would say that I would love to I would love to be in all or I would love this product to be in all Philly Metro stores and I would like to start to break some ground into into the deeper mid Atlantic mm-hmm. areas in Maryland, uh, in DC, in Richmond, Well, et hey, Maryland's bringing up Royal Farms. Yes, they are. To the Philly area, it's time for Master Cola to, head to come down, down and give them some Philly roast pork. <laughs> but uh, Mike, Master Cola, the ambassador for uh, John F. Martin and Sons, fantastic product. Uh, we love everything that you brought in. We highly recommend Master Cola's famous Philly roast pork. Go try it out. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Derek. And Glenn. Notice he said Glenn first. Yes, yes. <laughs> and Glenn, we've got someone on the line with us because we've enjoyed this beautiful roast pork in a crock pot yes. to enjoy nice and hot. We've got Phyllis Good, the author of Stock the Crock book. What a segue. Yes. And she is certainly the master <laughs> of all crock pot uh, recipes. And we have to say, Phyllis, it's a shame you're not in studio because yes, this is a crock pot recipe that you have to at least try once. Master Cole's famous Philly roast pork in a crock pot. It's delicious. It's, it, it's Philly style. But why don't you tell us a little bit yeah. about your book and yourself? Sure. Well, thank you for having me. And your pork sounds really good. Uh, and you're also exactly right that slow cookers are a perfect appliance to cook uh, pork, uh, pork butt, a Boston butt. It's, it's a great cut of meat that just responds perfectly to the slow, moist heat of a slow cooker. And five, six hours after you've put it in, it's ready for you to shred it or chunk it and mix it with whatever great sauce uh tempts you and uh, it's great on rolls it's great over rice uh you know what to do with it but exactly um now how were you first introduced to the magic of slow cookers it was an accident i i had a friend a neighbor who was watching me raise two little kids and have a full-time job And she came in one day, she had just been at a garage sale, and she put a slow cooker on my counter, and she said, you need this. And she turned around and walked out. (laughs) And I thought, I think she is right. And that was sort of the introduction. And um, and then sometime, good many years later, uh, we were publishing books, and uh, we had a cookbook scheduled by another author. And that author was not going to meet our deadline, and so we pulled out our list of ideas, which we kept on going for cookbooks, and had a staff member who was just sold on slow cookers. And at that point, they had been reintroduced so that you could now lift the crock part out and wash it. You didn't need to, you know, sort of stick it carefully under the spigot, making sure the cord didn't get wet. And they were also redesigned. They were, many of them, the new ones were oval in shape, which is perfect for uh, a pork butt or a whole chicken or a chuck roast or what have you. And so uh, we decided to give it a try. And and the slow cooker had just been reintroduced. People were hungry for recipes. And that was the beginning of it. Yeah, I mean, and even, now, to, even today, find, like, like, like they have timers and I mean, there's yeah. every, Every little gadget yeah. that these slow cookers have now. and Walk away and come back in eight hours, it's done. Yeah, you're not kidding. What's one yeah. of the uh, most surprising slow cooker successes and one of the biggest disasters you've had? Well, I think one of the things that I love is that you can do pasta in a slow cooker without cooking the noodles ahead of time. And I'm all about saving time, and I'm all about not having to wash an extra pan. So we have a very good lasagna recipe. In fact, we have a vegetarian one, and we also have one with beef in this re- in this cookbook. We also have a lasagna in a soup bowl recipe. So 
My point is that it's a great time saver, and these are delicious recipes. I, I have tried them myself repeatedly. Uh, they're, they're crowd pleasers. I know that I'm safe if I want to serve it to guests or to our family. Uh, disasters? Um, probably it has been undercooking some things, which, like, I've made brownies in a slow cooker, and I love to do that. But I've, I've discovered that it's best to do that in an oval, too, because if you do it in one of the more round ones that are a little more cylindrical, the batter is too thick, and it gets done on the outside, but it doesn't get done on the inside. So if you use an oval that has more floor space, you have much greater success because it bakes the whole way across, and... Um, it's really fun to pull brownies or a uh, creme brulee or a quick bread out of a slow cooker. Yeah. There's entertainment value there, but it's also very convenient. Barbie and, looks really excited to try it. And also, I mean, more than 80% of United States households use a slow cooker. So this is advice that is wide, has wide appeal and as you said, I mean, you've right. got the uh, lasagna in a soup bowl, page 48, the cheesy mushroom risotto. I mean, who would have thought in yes. a, in, in the uh, crock pot, page 70, creamy chicken right. stuffing and green beans, screaming good carnitas, salsa rice, pumpkin spice creme brulee. We can go on and on and on. But what is that secret to the slow cooker recipe that works? I think it's that it has very slow, moist heat. And they're all, people are tempted to believe they're magic and they're close, but they also need some careful attention. And so I tried to give all the tips I've learned in all these years of working with them so that people have success. So that, yes, you can put things in and um, they will cook all day. But make sure that they're the kind of food that can withstand that kind of long, slow cooking heat. And there are many that do and many that don't. For example, I like to use chicken thighs more than chicken breasts because the thighs are a little heftier. They have a bit of a higher fat content. And they just respond so well to that slow, moist heat. A chicken breast can overcook very easily. So it's just knowing some of that sort of basic information, a lot of it very logical. And, um, and, and I want to offer people recipes where the outcome is always make that again. And uh, that's what I've tried to do here. Yeah, I mean, and also you've definitely covered the market and people go to you as an authority for good books because you've sold over 14 million copies of your books that's that is that that yeah that's that's a great number you're exactly right i think it's as you said with 80 or 80 plus percent of the households in america having a slow cooker it's a it's an appliance that people see in fact people come up to me and say you've saved my life and i'm going isn't that overstating it just a little bit (laughs) but what they mean is it's it's made it possible for them to feed their families at home when they barely have time to think, they barely have time to shop, let alone cook. And so I've tried to make it possible for them to gather their family around the table during ordinary times, but also during holidays. And um, the recipes, when, when I first started, people were just hungry for slow cooker recipes. So my early books had like 800 recipes in them. Now, this one you'll see is the 100 must-have recipes. That's because people are now looking for the recipes they can trust and that they also know they're convenient because a lot of chefs have done great slow cooker cookbooks, but they tend to have many more steps. They require ingredients that are a little harder to find where I've tried to be very careful to make it possible for people who have children and lots of responsibilities to succeed at this. The other thing this book has in it, and you'll see it in the subtitle, is 200 variations. And that's helping people know how to adapt the recipes so that they can make them gluten-free, vegan or vegetarian, paleo-friendly. It's as, as more and more of our friends and family have dietary restrictions and preferences, that's certainly something that all cooks think about. 
And so you'll see that those are there on the pages as well. And then we have a special index so that you can flip to pages 271 and 2 and find all of those recipes by category there. And um, hopefully that, too, will help people enjoy making good food and uh, pleasing the people who come to eat. Exactly. Well, I mean, it's a wonderful book. It has over 100 uh, full-color photographs. It's definitely the ultimate kitchen resource for a generation of fans of uh, Crock-Pot. And uh, it was a pleasure to have you on. Phyllis Good, the author of Stock the Crock. And you're from Lancaster County as well out there. You've got to wow. stop by John I F. Am. Martin and Sons for some uh, Master Cole's famous Philly yes. Rose pork. They're, they're the ones who's making it. But hey. bef- there you go. But before you they go, make- uh, why don't you give us any social medias or websites or anything like that? Yes, uh, our, re- our website is stockthecrock.com, all one word. And we are also on Facebook, Stock the Crock, as well. So, uh, yeah, I'd love to have you follow us and uh, send us any tips or recipes that you love. And uh, it's a little community. I, I gather recipes from home cooks because they have learned so many tricks and tips. And so we just share them with everyone. Thank you so much. Cool. Have, have a great Thanks. night. Thank you. Man. Mm-hmm. So we've got the crock pot covered. We've got wonderful sandwiches. We have Lancaster County but, covered. But the so problem wonderful. is, Glenn, do you know what the problem is? The problem is not Glenn. The, the problem <laughs> is mostly Glenn. But the other problem is I don't have any money for all this. Well, guess what? Get a job. Well, that's why I brought Kevin Wilson in studio because he's the author <laughs> of a book, <laughs> Table for One, and he's a correspondent for Joe's Table for Two on WOND 14 AM Atlantic City with his segment, Dining on a Dime. Dining on a Dime. So, I've got a dime to spend. Well, the segment's on uh, 610 WIP ESPN Radio. Uh, it's between 11 AM and 11.30 AM on Saturdays. And what happened was I was the uh, owner of phillyrestaurantreviews.com, and I was putting La Croix, Volver, Vetri. I was critiquing those restaurants, and I had an angry email. <coughs> Somebody said, uh, you're putting restaurants on there that I can't afford to go to. So as in, am I allowed to say it? Mm. As an F-U to the guy? Yeah, you can say that. Say I, create, I created a dining on a dime segment of my website. Mm-hmm. So I go in studio with Joe as a guest, and he's like, I would really love to help the listeners out, and, you know, if you could share some tips on where but to go. But we know that's not how Joe said it. He said, oh, the Kevin, <laughs> I would love to help my listeners out to him. My other paisanos. Derek, don't try the Italian. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's the best I can do. No, no, it's not. Trust me. <laughs> so I, I was, the best he can do. <laughs> and that's pretty horrible. <laughs> I was a guest with Joe, and Joe's like, I would really love the listeners to hear about places to go where you can eat like a king or queen for under $10. I know where. And I said, well, I have a 653 restaurant photo collection, mostly from Philadelphia. And I said, I've been to most of those places. And I says, uh, sure, I'll call in and, you know, give the tips. Uh, put Locust Rendezvous on there that at lunchtime, the Locust Rendezvous. Now we're talking about the restaurant and the bar. Rest- the restaurant and yes, bar. Yes, I, I have an incident that I call Locust Rendezvous. <laughs> incident? <laughs> about 15th and Locust, but that was a back alley somewhere. <laughs> yeah, what was, his, what was his name? Hold on. <laughs> so what was his name? So I put them on there. Next thing I know, I get like 60, 70 emails from people that enjoyed it and uh, have Sassafras Bar on there. They have a six ninety five lunch and lunacy. A lot of food, good food. I make sure I don't put any restaurant on the uh, segment that does not have good food because I have tons of people coming up to me. Restaurant owners are like, I would love to be on 610 WIP because we basically give the good of everybody. Cause it, yeah, you're not saying, hey, here's some crappy right, food. Though. Exactly. And uh, I have actually said no to a lot of people that wanted to come on because I just don't like the food. I, I have to like <laughs> the food. <laughs> you just tell me oh, you're you a little know, too pricey. Barbara, you know, hey, I you do. go to restaurants, some of the restaurants. Yeah, a lot of people ask me where, uh, where they can go out to eat often, so I understand it. And they want to know exactly, you know, what the price points are. And yeah. 
Yeah, I tell them. I also have had to tell people, like, I've seen people just berate a place that is under $10. Exactly. And they expect white tablecloths and mm-hmm. silverware. And I'm like, listen, you're going to get chopsticks. And white That's paper right. napkins. That's it. And white paper napkins. And I actually did media uh, back in December when my book, shortly after my book came out, where I said Glenn's place was probably the best barbecue in the Really? Oh, Lord. Oh, why did you have to bring it? That, that, is, that is documented that is. on Wait the internet. What? Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, hold on. What, what was the name of that place? I think oh, we should start a drinking Jack's game for barbecue. every time he says Fat Jack's I have barbecue. to be honest with you. And I have the picture. I just showed you, you showed the me. picture. Pork, you hear that, listeners? Pork belly, and I thought it was fantastic. Oh, you hear that, Barbie? I'm serious. We should have a drinking game. Every time you say Fat Jacks, we take a shot. I hear you. I'd get I you drunk you. in 30 seconds. So I'm very, yes. I'm very, I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm very blessed. Uh, most books do not do well, and my book has been a huge success. Uh, a lot of people want to hear about the restaurants in the book. I wrote the book to in, in, inspire people. I had my brother and sister pass away during the same week right before Christmas, and I was trying to sell a book about restaurants, the the restaurant experience, you know, what go, what goes on when you go into fine dining, etc. And uh, my brother and sister passed away. I was supposed to meet with the publisher. I said, look, I can't. I just had my brother and sister pass away the same week from two different things. And uh, they said, hey, there's all right. I always think of money, these people. Let's inspire people with a memoir. And the, mem- the book is actually a memoir on how to uh, – overcome grief well and and the book takes you through life's journey starting out in a very poor neighborhood which that neighborhood would be kensington Kensington. because i am a fellow kensington i feel your struggle i grew up i was (laughs) we were the first house next to hissy playground Uh, at bodenot and cambridge in that area harrogate plaza yeah there there you go go. see but we do have all of our how many of your how many well (laughs) except for gary How many of your family members went to the liquor store at Harrogate Plaza? (laughs) That's for another book. But this book also, it shows you that uh, money in your wallet is no factor when food is cooked with love. Well, my mother was a five-star home cook. Uh, We we ate gourmet meals every night. She cooked every night. She, uh, my father was in the army, so she lived all over the world. So one night we would have German. One night we would, and these were from her experiences throughout the world that she was. So it was like Epcot. It was. It was exactly. It's a small world. My house was a poor Epcot. (laughs) Poor Epcot. (laughs) A poor version of Epcot. (laughs) We had a. We had a. I told my uh, mother one time. I said, "I want to go to Disney World." She goes, "Pull out the refrigerator. You'll see a mouse right there." (laughs) (laughs) Now, what do you see happening with your? Diming on a dime. Well, Obviously, it's, it's not diming a, on a dime. It's diming di- on a dining. dime. Dining. Well, diming on a dime happens well, in Kensington right, as my, well. <laughs> okay, well that's right. down at Kensington and Allegheny <laughs> at K&A. But my, oh, my, you know what else is at K&A? Oh. No, what, Barbie? <laughs> um, what's it called? Foga? Who? The chicken fat place? Yeah. Yes. Oh, that place is so good. Foga? But uh, that's not as fun as di- diming on a dime. Yeah, but I, I don't know what that is. I actually... Or Kensington me, dying on a dime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but to be honest with you, the goal with uh, the segment is I already spent my money. You know what I mean? Going to six hundred and fifty something restaurants cost a lot of money, so I want to make it worth something. And that's what I always say. This belly right here, yeah, it's, it's you know how much money it costs to investment. Get this yeah, it's, it's not easy to get. <laughs> but all kidding aside, it's it. You know, I would rather use my knowledge to help others. You know what I mean? Because that way, that money is not wasted. You know? But but also by the popularity of dining on a dime, he got it right. There's been uh, huge fans. They say they're coming up to you and saying, "Please mention us." Yeah, uh, not to get you in trouble with Joe, but would you envision setting out to your own program? <laughs> it's so funny that you said that because He's I was in development it. with Barry, who Joe right. uh, Glenn knows, right. And in our development, Barry says to me, he's a producer for WIP, he says, call up Glenn and uh, see if Glenn will be interested in, uh, you know, doing a show with you. I call Glenn, and to Glenn's credit, Glenn called me back. And I was like, wow. And that's but really he unusual. Had made, he hadn't made a commitment? No, a lot of restaurant owners don't no. call me back. I, mean, I return 
almost all of my calls. Yeah, and he called me back and he said, I have a well, prior I heard radio. Well, but that's the only reason why he called you back is he tries to say Fat Jack's Barbecue as much <laughs> no, as No, no, the reason I called. Hey, this is Glenn from Fat Jack's Barbecue. <laughs> you called? The reason I called him back is because I heard TV or radio. Yeah. That's exactly Well, not only that, but, you know, so I don't think this segment works as an hour show. I, you, I you really think it's don't. better? I think it's just great as a segment. Ours doesn't work as, as an hour show. <laughs> <laughs> I've been telling that, Glenn, ever since we, we've hey, done this thing. You guys do a great job. You, you got 75 guests in one hour. That's I great. <laughs> That's Derek, not me. I'm, just, I'm the but, comedy relief. But do you know why this show works in an hour? Explain. You have a multiple. Be- because we're always betting to see if we fail. Oh, <laughs> well, in Derek's case. And we have the perfect person online with us. We have Jim Murphy of SportsBettingExperts.com, and he has written extensively on sports betting as well as handicapping theory and practice. His odds have been published in more than 200 media outlets in 2017 alone, including USA Today. He's been quoted in national media from the Wall Street Journal to page six. But more importantly, and that's why Chef Barbie is in studio with us, he's betting on Hell's Kitchen (laughs) All-Stars. So, Jim, how's it going? It's going good. How are you guys doing? We are fantastic. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about SportsBettingExperts.com and your thoughts of betting on Hell's Kitchen All-Stars. And how you got to that. Well, that's... SportsBettingExperts.com, uh, uh, they kind of lured me out of retirement. I was kind of retired from uh, the sports betting wars and uh, writing about technology and whatnot. And uh, basically what I do is I uh, set odds for them on uh, pretty much uh, everything, uh, from reality TV to uh, the financial markets uh, to the presidential elections to really whatever I want or whatever they tell me to, depending on what week it is. Now... I did review the odds of the Hell's Kitchen season, and I have to say that it looks as though there may be one major error. Okay. You did not choose Let me guess what that is. Chef Barbie as the winner. Oh, no. <laughs> Barbie's writing a death threat to you right now. I am not. Yes, you are. I, see I am it. not. So, well, I mean, I, I, if, I'm, if I'm reading it rightly, he also has this like uh, peg for a guy to win this season, oh. which is interesting. So, what uh, tell well, us? Like, how do you come up with these things? Uh, well, a lot of what I do is uh, this one's uh, Hell's Kitchen is one of the trickier ones to do. Um, some of them, like uh, Dancing with the Stars or even Project Runway, there's there's actual statistical data you can use and kind of you know extrapolate that to come up with numbers. This one, a lot of what I do is follow the uh, fan groups, like on Reddit and some of the other uh, websites. Uh, you know, I don't profess to be an expert myself on uh, any of these shows. I so so do you actually watch of, the show, too? Yeah, well, I watch the show. I used to not watch the show for uh, reasons of objectivity. I don't want to uh, <laughs> you know, start liking a certain um, contestant or not liking him, as the case may be. Uh, so what I do now, I started doing it because a lot of it... Um, with reality television's editing. You can kind of tell who's going to uh, win or lose in the end because of how it's edited. And a lot of shows, uh, like Project One Way in particular, uh, if early in the year you see someone's not getting screen time, you know, that's like wearing the red shirt on Star Trek. You're as good as dead. (laughs) (laughs) And I have to say that I think that I will be a rich man because the odds that you've put for Chef Barbie Marshall to win is a plus 2,500. So I've put that's my correct. I've put my entire life savings down. I'm on trying Chef to figure Barbara out how Marshall. I have the same odds as Robin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of it's uh, like I said, a lot of it's the reflection of uh, the fan community. So obviously, uh, you know, ooh. this is kind of a case where I you don't want to shoot fans. the messenger, which in which case is me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I kind of uh, I read the Reddit uh, of a particular TV show and some of the other uh, fan sites, and just kind of you know. See what the mood of the fans are, uh, and uh, sometimes I try to get inside information, like uh, if there's spoilers. You know, uh, there's a million spoilers online, so you kind of have to determine which ones are legit. But you know, if someone was at the taping and said, "Well, I saw X, Y, and Z happen on uh, you know this show," uh, you know, you can kind of uh, you know figure out what's legit and what's not. So, what but, do these uh, bikinis you know, so, have to do with the ads? <laughs> um, <laughs> That's what we call uh, fan service. And the, uh, I think I even mentioned that, the, the anime business. It uh, keeps fans happy. And uh, it's also good for uh, traffic. You know, if people uh, uh, start searching on... Uh, so, so most of you know, your the, traffic are men because you have, like, 
uh, like I don't see anything about any of the guys and like you know. Well, they speedos. did not. Yeah. They oh, did yeah. not win the challenge, Barbie. Yeah, well, man. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, if the men would have won the, the challenge to go to the pool, they, they would have been, been in the speedos. Right. No bikinis. <laughs> Yeah, it's just reporting what happens on the show. But no, the reality is the demographics of sports betting are uh, predominantly male. Uh, but it's changing slowly but surely. But it's still a heavily, I would say, 80% or more male-dominated activity. So, now, you know, we just uh, we, we got to reflect that. Now, where would we go to actually have an official bet through this? Because obviously uh, – Sports betting in Philadelphia and New Jersey is illegal. We can't do it here. Well, you can do it, but like you said, the illegal part. You got to know a guy. Yeah, nothing. But, I know a guy who knows a guy unless who knows you get caught. I mean, that, that's the old theory. Nothing's illegal if you don't get right. caught. But if I wanted yes. to actually have a legitimate bet, where would I go for these kinds of services? Uh, for these kinds of things, they're big in Europe. Uh, a lot of the European sports books love this. Um, Really, we kind of get the short end of the stick when it comes to sports betting here in the United States because uh, it's, the only place that's really legal is in Nevada, and they don't want to compete with anyone or, or with each other, so they offer, you know, it, it's really not uh, a very player-friendly environment. Uh, really, the best place in the world to bet uh, right now is Europe, uh, particularly England. They've got sports uh, betting shops in every corner. Uh, it's very competitive, and uh, you can bet on a lot of different things, including uh, television shows. They love betting on TV shows. So, uh, it's kind of hard in the United States, but uh, outside of the U.S., it's very popular. Now, do you try to bet on things yourself personally? Because obviously you've been very successful. And I look at this as possibly like having the power of a psychic regarding the lottery. Why don't all psychics just choose the lottery <laughs> number? So if you're looking at this and you're saying, man, I know this is a golden ticket, have you ever taken that and bet on something yourself? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I've, we're done everything in the sports betting business. Uh, I was a handicapper. I was on the other side of the counter for a number of years and uh, betting and uh, giving people, you know, having uh, people pay me to give them information. Uh so, yeah, I've done it all. Uh, my best bet ever, I think the strongest bet I ever made, was on the halftime show at the 2002 Super Bowl that uh, U2 played because all the uh, sports books had uh, bets up on what songs they were going to play. And uh, I had someone at the sound check. And, uh, you know, that makes it a little easier. Oh, you're not. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Do you know where I made a lot of so, money betting? Was when uh, Justin Timberlake was with. Uh, Janet Jackson. Janet Jackson. Oh, no one, no one saw that coming except, except you. Yes, I really well. Good. I had so much money. <laughs> How much did you make there? Ton, tons of money. But uh, what, in your personal opinion, we're going to leave Chef Barbie Marshall out of this because we all know, honestly, she's going to be the winner. Right. But uh, uh, who do you personally feel will be the winner of Hell's Kitchen season seventeen All Stars? Like I said, I try to keep the personal out of it. Um, Dana Cohen's been my favorite from the beginning, and Hell's Kitchen's a strange show because it's kind of counterintuitive. It almost seems like the less screen time you get, the better it is for you, because that suggests you know you're not screwing up or you know you're not raising the ire of uh, Chef Ramsay. So uh, I think as long as Did she doesn't get episode? much uh, much more screen time, she's going to remain my favorite. Yeah. yeah. What was the name? I, I didn't hear the name. Uh, the, the girl who couldn't explain why she didn't like me because she didn't want to say it on internet. Oh, okay. <laughs> she, 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 that's another good point. She's very diplomatic. And, she's not uh, diplomatic. Yeah, I think <laughs> not according to Barbie, anyway. <laughs> that wasn't a diplomatic. Well, it was it, a straightforward a question that she was too afraid to answer on TV. Because she would have kicked her ass. Barbie. No, because but it yeah, would have ruined Another way of looking at that is uh, diplomatic. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't want to... Uh, anything offensive well and, there were uh, odds yeah, if no, barbie she definitely doesn't there were odds if, if barbie would hug her or not so obviously <laughs> people would. i i have I, I have a quick question are there are there odds sure. or any kind of bets coming forth on whether barbie's going to kick somebody's ass on the show <laughs> the end? no they probably no, have those not, odds against not yet <laughs> that would be even money no, but I, you know what, I, just for you guys i will uh, i will set some next week I, that would Perfect. be a great there idea. there we go that would be great small bites radio bet from chef barbie there you go <laughs> 
<laughs> Whip someone's ass. I, I hope that's who will kick but, whose ass side. Exactly. <laughs> but Jim Murphy of sportsbettingexperts.com. It was a pleasure having you on. It was entertaining. Uh, go, why don't you give any websites or social medias or anything like that for everyone to find out to bet on anything and if their cat's going to win against the dog. <laughs> Yeah, just uh, sportsbettingexperts.com. Uh, all the uh, unusual uh, bets and props and then the odds I've got up are my writing. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, there's new stuff up all the time. There'll be new stuff up tonight. Perfect. Thank you so much. Cool. Have a great night. Okay, you too. Take care. So, wow. Wow. Hmm. We had Barbie. We had the odds. We had. We'll see. He said he's going to even write a new segment. Just that's right. Just for you about about me kicking someone's ass. <laughs> oh, I see it coming. I'm telling you. But <sighs> but the question is, there might not. If this World Series goes to Game Seven, will there yeah. will we be skipping another week? Um. Well, I did say I was going to celebrate my birthday all month. So if we do, I mean, the schedule is definitely contingent on the World Series. So it's an entire it's entirely possible that and, could happen. And it is tied to yeah. two. Yeah, it's a close series. Who started off? Who it, took the first game? Didn't the Dodgers win the, the Dodgers. first game? The Dodgers yeah. won, it, won the first game. Like, statistically speaking, speaking, we should have been asked this question while the sports better was here. Isn't that the person who <laughs> usually takes the first game the person that wins? Well, not necessarily. Not necessarily, not but... I don't have a bet on the World Series, so I didn't really care what the opinion was. I, I, I told I, I the, bet all my life savings so on So who's in kitchen. the World Series? It's the, the Dodgers, Dodgers and, and the Astros. The who cares Astros. World Series? What? Yeah. You heard me? Excuse me, Glenn. Does anyone care? We're not talking about that, Jack. We're talking about important stuff. Talking about what? Whoa, 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 whoa. Back up. Does anybody Tied like up. the Dodgers? I don't. Does Not anybody like the Astros? Fan, I nope. I, I thought. I, I thought. Right. <laughs> that, I mean, I'm from Philadelphia, so <laughs> like, I'm, what? This World Series is a baseball fan. I, I thought on the Dodgers. I thought Tommy Lasorda was yeah. mad. All right. So then and that's the so closest we got. Jimmy Rollins. And Jimmy Rollins was on there last year. Yes, and so was Carlos Ruiz. Yes, was on the Dodgers. Until he went to the Mariners. Until he went to Seattle. Well, this yeah. explains why the Phillies are not in the World Series. There's a lot more than that. <laughs> is there? It might have something to do with the losing 100 and some odd games. Yeah. Maybe? But Barbie, yeah. Were, were you out and about it all this week? I was, but last week, you know where I was? I was at the Union League checking out Ooh. Women Who Inspire. Ooh. Um <laughs> And a book that they wrote. And then this week, I went to see a really great space in Northern Liberties called We Work. And they have yes, this um, summer's TV launch party. But We Work definitely is an organization that you want to look and, and check out because it's basically a real estate company. But they've decided to really do things for the community, help people get houses and just um, not just help them buy a house but help them get a house and accrue equity and and look at what their dreams are. And maybe it's not a house. Maybe it's a property with an apartment over top of it and it's a building. And um, so, you know, like I really, really, really dug the WeWork space and everything that they were doing. And I actually ran into one of my good friends, Katie Feeney, and she actually got her property through this organization. So now they've started this uh, Summers TV. So check them out. Excellent. Excellent. I just want to give an update. If there is a game seven, it will be wrapped up on Wednesday, November first. There will be. So there will be an episode of Hell's Kitchen on Next Friday, week? November third. Wow, the World 3rd. Series really going on. And a long time. Um, if you want to watch it with me, I'm going to be watching it at Ruba Club at 416 Green Street. Awesome! And cool. give us your social medias and anything else before we go. Uh, my website is chefbarbie.com, and I'm on Facebook at Barbie Marshall. Instagram, Twitter at Barbie Marshall. Um, I'm actually on Reddit. You'll see me going in there, in and out. But I have more fans. I don't know what page he's in. Fatjacks.net, Philly, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Twitter, whatever. And I have an announcement to make real quick. Morrisville will be opening in a week. Glenn, I just didn't say which week. Stop. I just didn't say which week. We're on Facebook at Philly Roast Pork. Come out and follow us. Um, I'm on Twitter at K number two, J number two W, and 400 restaurants on my Instagram page, KJW1972. And you can catch me around town at bluejeanfood.com. We also had John Howard Fusco nice and clear this week at yeah. Carrier Post. We had uh, the Hall of Fame Eagle, Brian Westbrook, yep. Phyllis Good, the author of Stock the Croc, 
And we also had Jim Murphy of SportsBettingExperts.com. And I'm Derek Tim of BlueJeanFood.com. Of the two, of the three, of the four. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you'd like that, Kevin. And this is uh, Small Bites on Wildfire Radio. We're live every single Sunday, 6.35 p.m. Oh, WildfireRadio.com. I will be not be here following week I'll oh no in three weeks or catch us worldwide on tune in on the following week on all your apple products on itunes and we end the show like we always do with a joke of the week from the legendary joke tower jackie, jackie the, the joke, joke man, man martling. martling hi i'm jackie martling and this is small bites a married couple goes to the same chinese restaurant every sunday for 30 years and every time they walk in the owner says hurrah Oh, you're my favorite couple. You two made for each other. Oh, rest so wrong. You meant to be. One Sunday, the guy walks in alone. The Chinese guy says, oh, what happened? The guy says, we got a divorce. The Chinese guy says, oh, you're much better off now. <laughs>